0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at
1: SoundTalentMedia.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at CiampaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Peer Pleasure with Dewey Halpas on Equal Vision Records and Sound Talent Media. I am Dewey, your host with the most, bringing you more great content week after week. This week, guys, we have a huge guest, an awesome dude. Uh, I was super stoked to chat with him, Mr. Adrian Young from No Doubt and Dream Car. Uh, dude is just a prolific drummer, uh, an amazing, amazing musician, and just a hilarious, awesome dude uh, who I was introduced to by Frank Zumo. Uh, who we had on the show previously Um, they're good friends and and I reached out saying hey do you think Adrian would want to come on the show he sent him the podcast and he checked out the HR from Bad Brains episode which was a very interesting choice because that's one of the only episodes that does not follow uh, my chosen path as far as how I do the show Uh, that one required some different questioning and things like that Um, so he thought it was interesting so, we got on, he wanted to hop on the phone for a call before we did it. Uh, and we did that and uh, we had a great chat and then nailed the episode. So, I'm stoked you guys get to hear that now. And uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. So, thank you to Adrian for coming on. Thank you to Frank for connecting us. Uh, and we're going to have Adrian on for a part two for sure. So, let's get some business out of the way and we'll jump in. So, peerpleasurepodcast.com is the website. Uh, if you want to show anyone the show, you can do that. Um, it's a good spot to do it because all the episodes come up right on the page. It's access to the merch and everything else. Uh, we also have the Facebook group, which is the Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. Just sign up on the – or sign up, sign up rather. Uh, search the search bar if you want to to find that group, uh, Peer Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle, and requests to come in will let you in. Uh, it's a great place to find out who's coming up, how interviews went, Um, You can ask questions, things like that. We always post things about different music, movies, things like that, documentaries, all sorts of stuff. So that's the Facebook group. Uh, We also have the premium service, which has access to all the videos of the episodes. It has the past cast where I talk to other podcasters about their favorite episodes of the show. We do like a deep dive into those episodes, how they came about. Um, Yeah, it's something that's really fun. And also the ad-free feed, so you won't have to listen to any of the ads for uh, anything we're advertising at the time because it's it's uh, it can get annoying I know sometimes for people to hear the ads, but they are essential to making enough money to keep doing the show. Um, so they will always be there. but the ad free feed is available on the premium service. and that's peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm. pleasure.supportingcast.fm. So we have also now started doing twitch. so twitch.tv slash peer pleasure podcast. I just did one just now uh, and I'm doing another one here in an hour. Uh, but we're going to be streaming the actual episodes live as they happen whenever possible on Twitch. So you can head over there and subscribe. That way you won't miss it. You can see the schedule and stuff for what we have coming up. Uh, but it's kind of cool to be able to watch things live, I think, as they're happening. And then these videos will live in the premium service. Uh, and the audio will come out as a regular episode afterwards. I'm going to try to start to set up some Q&As with guests as well, like after the episode. Because the way we do things here, I mean, I'm engaged with the episode uh, with the uh, guest So I'm not looking at the comments. I'm not doing that like a lot of people do on Twitch. Um, But I want to be able to ask some of those questions you guys have later. So I think after the episodes, we'll start doing like a QA and a with the guest or something like that. You can shoot me an email. Let me know your thoughts on that. Uh, But twitch.tv slash peerpleasurepodcast is the spot to see those. Um, And I'll definitely be advertising those as they're happening. That way you guys know what time and where to be there for those live Twitch streams. So... Also, peerpleasurepod peer at gmail.com is the email. If you want to get in touch with me and send me guest ideas or questions or anything like that, hit me up there. Uh, so this is a good episode, guys. Uh, big thanks to Blake at the Tone Mob for letting me use his Shred Shed studio. Um, my studio was being worked on, and so we had to find a place to do it. He hit me up and was like, hey, come on over did it there. It was awesome. We took up until the last second before time to do the interview to get fully set up and uh, we were off and rolling. So uh, without further ado, let's get into this chat with Adrian Young from No Doubt. How's it going. It's
0: going okay. You know, I was telling my wife that I when I first said, "Yeah, ten in the morning sounds good," and she and I just she goes, "Why'd you do that?" You she said, "You should have done this in the afternoon. I had a drink, and then you and you and you would have been much more flowy and free and less uptight." <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, not bad, dude. Not bad. The morning's good. Um. Is my level okay? Yeah, you sound great. You sound so, real good. We're uh, I'm actually using a guest, not a not a guest. But I'm a guest in this studio today because the, my normal studio is getting renovated during the week, so it's been weekends only for a couple of weeks. So my buddy Blake has a he calls it the Shred Shed, and he's got a podcast called the Tone Mob. So it's full of vintage gear in Oregon City. <laughs> and I'm setting everything up and like things aren't going together. And I was like, oh, no, it's so like 10 o'clock. Literally, we plugged the mic in and got it, nailed it, because it's usually all set up, ready to go. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going MacGyver style, but it's good. So the
0: tone mob. So is that so they do they just talk guitars and amps
1: on 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 a podcast and just gear out? They used to. Now he okay. does more what I do, where he's he's he, it just kind of goes wherever. Like he just had Kyle on from Tenacious D and when you do that, like Kyle just goes. So he just went with it, you know, like, uh, but yeah, he's a, he's huge into gear. He's got a YouTube channel and everything else. So that's the main focus of his show. Um, but it goes wherever it depends on the guest. So, um, yeah.
0: So what do you do for, um, like if there's an interruption, like if I, if like my 10 year old says, Hey dad,
1: blah, 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 blah. Do you just, pause it and start over or no dude we're going right now like we we i will if something like that happens you have to run away for something like i'll cut that out later okay but i don't edit these unless there's something someone wants taken out like oh i shouldn't have said that or i announced this record early blah 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 or the release date's wrong things like that so okay um pretty easy right on pretty easy are you all good to go then you all set up comfortable yeah it's awesome. all good, excellent. Well, Adrian Young, welcome to the Peer Pleasure Podcast, my friend. Thank you, Dewey. I'm a, I'm a very appreciative to have you on. I've been a fan for a long time, and and uh, thanks to Frank Zumo for connecting us together. Yes, Frank. <laughs>
0: Frank. The killer drummer and even better hustler.
1: Absolutely, that dude's on fire. Like we were talking about the other day, like he just doesn't stop. He just keeps going, man. He's like the Energizer Bunny. I don't know if he sleeps. I, I severely doubt it <laughs> He's one of those guys that sleeps an hour in the afternoon and an hour in the morning and, and just keeps rolling but uh, yeah dude well also a great drummer yourself um i am just I'm stoked to have you dude I'm really I really am and've and, uh, um, I've been curious about you for a long time because there's not a ton out there um, about you and I'm curious tell you, like where you came from where you grew up um you know kind of kind of from the beginning.
0: Um, well, I was born in Long Beach, California, uh, and that's where I currently live. Um, but as a kid, we bounced around quite a bit, in, mostly in the central coast, Santa Barbara up to, um, shell beach. Uh, but then my parents divorced when I was 10. Mm. And so my dad, my brother, Damien and I moved to Cyprus in orange County. We moved in with my, with our grandparents and i graduated high school there and then moved back to long beach um not too long after that but well that's not entirely true because I was between long beach and anaheim for a couple years when um when no doubt had a bad
1: house okay
0: and gwen's grandparents and so there's four of us that that lived in that house at the time and we turned the garage into a um sort of a, a demo recording studio okay yeah
1: where were you where were you in the in the the age group of or like in the lineup of your brothers and sisters were you middle child oldest youngest I'm the oldest out of five oldest of five okay so you were the one were you the one influencing them then when you started getting into music and stuff because being the old I'm the oldest as well I was always the one who had to find music find movies find books they were interesting to me unless it was given to me by a friend and then kind of show it to my younger brother. Was that kind of the case for you? I, I think somewhat, but uh, my brother Damien and I are not
0: that far apart in age, like two and a half years. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were seventies rock and roll kids. And so we were sharing a lot of the same music uh, especially because our we were kind of a rock and roll family. You know, my house was in the seventies was, it was all Hendrix and Doors and Zeppelin and Marley, um, and most of our friends' parents were not listening to that, mm-hmm. and, and not smoking weed every day.
1: You guys, your parents were,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: you know, back in the '70s,
0: <laughs> we were told as kids, "Don't tell any of your friends that we smoke pot," because it was, it was still kind of a, kind of a big deal, mm-hmm. and kept on the ender yeah yeah
1: so you so you grew up with with music like from an early age so it was just always around you so that makes a lot more sense
0: yeah actually my parents were in a rock and roll cover band
1: um in the early 70s so it was always there and you you would go to shows with them or would you would they go out and you guys stay home it was a little bit of both i saw pictures
0: of me as a baby and toddler on the side of the stage you know with all of us with our matching hippie paisley outfits and (laughs) whatever fun that you know isla vista provided at that time because we lived in isla vista in the early 70s um you know where ucsb is Mm -hmm. the the college town Mm -hmm. we lived there because my dad was going to school there okay so yeah
1: dude so that makes that makes a lot of sense growing up with music like that because it's it's either th- it seems like it's either that or the other, where a friend brings something over and, and and sparks your fascination about something. But how how and that's incredibly lucky to grow up in a musical family sorry, like that.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt, but that did happen, but it happened as the as the eighties emerged. Mm-hmm. That's when older cousins and other friends started showing me ska and punk rock and other things where I was I was I was like, whoa, this is different than Led Zeppelin or ACDC.
1: Far different. The energy yeah. is completely different. Do you remember those first those first few bands you were shown in that in Punk and, and Ska?
0: Well, the whole British two-tone movement was was one of the first things, and I became a, completely immersed in it. As soon as I discovered the specials in Madness and mm-hmm. Selector, it was it was Everything else had to step aside for quite a while.
1: Interesting. Did you, were you already drumming at that time?
0: No, I didn't start drumming until I was 18, senior
1: in high school. You got to be kidding me, man.
0: (laughs) That's insane. It, well, it was, well, that's a little bit of a lie. (laughs) I played in junior high school, I played trombone for a semester, and I think I played the drum pad for one semester, but. I wasn't a drummer. It wasn't like I went on to play drums. I didn't. It was just yeah. you know part of a school thing. But 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 I always wanted to be a drummer since I was a little little guy, like passionately. But we can never afford a drum set. Mm-hmm. And when uh senior year, Christmas, my parents surprised me with a drum set. Okay. And from that point on it was it was non-stop i couldn't get enough i was like i was playing catch-up with my limbs to where my brain already was and what what and what my brain wanted you know i wanted to play so many things that i'd heard over the years and so now it was like how do i make this work yeah and I was self-teaching
1: so self-taught completely through through well, i'm sure you know, I probably had two, three
0: lessons, private lessons mm-hmm. in later years. Um and I then I took I took a college class in reading. Um because I couldn't read anything. And I think my sticking patterns were all fucked up. They were I, I was just kind of going on what I heard and I thought was going on mm-hmm. or what I was supposed to be doing. And um, I actually took that cl- class after we had already tracked Tragic Kingdom, but it wasn't out yet. So everything I played on Tragic Kingdom, it, it was some of it was definitely not proper sticking patterns, or at least not ones that would be learned in a class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I just had a brain meltdown No, it's
1: good, dude. So, and one thing too, I I wanted to be a drummer from an early age as well. But when I got into high school band and said I wanted to play the drums, they gave me a snare drum and that's all I could play. Like, that's all they would let me play to start. And it was mm-hmm. so boring to me that I stopped after one quarter and then went to trumpet because I could actually start playing some songs and stuff. Uh yeah. but yeah, just completely just like squashed it for me. And now of course, I can't play drums to save my life. I can play guitar no problem. But anytime I sit down at a kid, it's horrendous. But it's that one experience of just like, I just get to tap on this one drum, okay? And I didn't see the value in it at the time at all. (laughs) Like, you can have some fun with just a practice pad. And so you could sit there for hours working on stuff. But I never, my my adolescent brain was not ready to open up and say, okay, I could really get into this. And this is going to teach me the basics of what I need to drum. Uh, So yeah, that killed it for me, for sure.
0: I, I, am glad you said that because I wish that I had continued on with the, the snare drum, uh, pad thing through high school because, um, to this day, like my press rolls, they kind of suck. I've worked at them, but on a lot of the more technical, traditional proper way of, of sticking like I, I came out a little bit ass backwards and it was almost a little too late because I had strengths in other areas that I developed on my own. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, when I watch someone like Chad Sexton from 311, who, you know, came from a marching background and has just unbelievable chops and you know, uses them with his band and, and the genre of music that we play, I I, I at times I get envious and like, fuck, I wish I could even be in that world. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes it's a balance that, right. Because there's, there's guys who are technically really, really gifted, but if you, if they will go play a punk rock song, like they're not really digging in, like, they're not really letting it hang out. Um, uh, and it's almost too technically good. Hmm. Um, but then there's the guys like Josh Freeze and Brooks Wackerman, where because they were prodigies
1: growing up that
0: they have both sides.
1: hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Brooks the yeah. Wackerman family. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My buddy Johnny plays bass in the the band with him in Avenge Sevenfold, and, and they always talk about like the what's the the six degrees of Brooks Wackerman or whatever, like how he knows everyone and comes up in that family and is just a a phenomenal musician. Um, Indeed. But it's it's just it's it's crazy. If we knew then what we knew now, and would dig in, everyone would be so much better if just learn those basics. But there is something like you're saying to be said for when you're self-taught. The way you look at the instrument, especially with like guitar too, like some of the most creative players never had a lesson; they just had (laughs) this stick of wood with strings on it and figured out how to make it and make the noise they wanted. You know, there's something said for that, especially if you're playing rock music. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, but you lock in the way you lock in with Tony, like the 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 grooves you have, like the 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 chemistry you guys have together is just fantastic and. That's also something that's hard to learn. How to lock in together with the, you know, create a solid rhythm section. I mean, it's 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 something that is lost on a lot of people. I think, in music, I I just see it so often where it's just not clicking, the way it should. You guys just are like second nature. It seems like. Well, I think we are. Uh,
0: part of that is just because we've been playing together since we were teenagers, mm-hmm. and um, we we had an equal passion to, to get better and to constantly learn new things and not have limits on what we could try and play. Yeah. Um, So uh, I agree with you. Like when I play with Tony, it's not, there's no way for me to duplicate that anywhere else. And I play with a lot of great bass
1: players, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's a, it becomes a thing when we play. It's that magic and coming up at the same time it makes sense like you just you acclimate to each other you learn together you grow together every experience you have is together you know on stage whatever like it's just this bond that it's like this unspoken thing you probably just close your eyes and and you both know what you're going to do next you know if you're going into something especially with as much groove as you guys have and how much I'm sure a lot of it comes from jamming uh a lot of the songs come from jamming and just working things out versus maybe coming in completely and I'm just assuming this because of how much groove is there um especially just- in the early days
0: or you know mm-hmm.
1: from, you know pro- you know
0: late 80s through probably the mid-2000s it was there was lots of jamming not so much since then yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna blame uh i'm gonna blame i'm gonna blame the lack of uh reel to real tape on that mm-hmm <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh dude so were you a were you a rambunctious kid like a teenager like a a wild child because you have such a uh a wild style like from me looking from the outside because you and I don't know each other so everything I know about you I've seen on a dvd on a, a website or you know what I mean like I'm seeing the outside I'm seeing what happens when you walk out on stage not when you're <laughs> backstage not when you're at home uh you know and and you always have this like wild style you know uh like pushing the envelope you know being super um super creative like does that stem from from the early days like were you a rambunctious teenager
0: somewhat I mean I would say I I always had a lot of energy but I wasn't I didn't get into a lot of trouble as a kid um but at the same time I was always kind of a partier and not afraid of a good time. And, and for whatever reason, I've had just endless, endless amounts of energy to where I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but like, especially as a younger guy, I, I can stay up till the end of the party every time, if I allowed it, like I would, the last guy standing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And get up in the morning and, go for a run. That was, that was never hard for me to do. Um, But I think maybe more recent years I've been accused of, (laughs) whoa, you're so normal and weird when you get off. not weird when you get off stage and just mellow, which when people say I'm mellow, I, I I, it feels weird to hear that because I was never that way but maybe middle age has brought that on I'm not sure this self-finalizing things thing can get a little confusing at times yeah which my wife is here she could tell you she could say what I was and what I am more accurately
1: yeah I will see it's I think it's just you're thinking about what you're going to say you're thinking about you know it's not as impulsive as it is on stage you know like you know where you're going on stage for the most part. I mean, you know what's coming next. You know what you need to do. You know, off stage, I I wouldn't be surprised if someone's completely different, you know. Um that's why I ask because you know, you see you you seem engaged, I guess would be the word for it. Not mellow, not, you know, just engaged, like involved in into what's happening in front of you, which could make you seem mellow. Cuz you're focused yeah you could call that
0: total vision at times sure Mm -hmm. um the interesting thing about being a young adult and being a middle-aged adult is there's like a it seems like there's a bit of a shift when i observe my friends and family and possibly you know self-introspectively i because Seem like 20s and 30s, especially being in a successful band, which in itself gives one a license to be even more daring and crazy. Um it seems like there's less care or wor- I say I should say worry about being wild or saying shit uh that you might regret later. Um, but it seem but in more recent years seems like me included it seems like people i know are becoming a little bit more measured a little bit worried about saying the wrong thing or a little bit worried about just fucking up in general mm-hmm. um maybe that's just you know gaining knowledge over the decades for all of us in that middle-aged category i don't know um it's interesting to watch though yeah i think I think for some that could actually bring out more anxiety. If you get more in tune with what you're worried about fucking up versus just going. Yeah. I kind of miss that feeling of being 20 something or even 30 something and just going and just going on instinct.
1: Yeah. It's something, something that a lot of people I think try to do. Of course, not everyone was in your situation where you I mean, you were in a successful band, the world's your oyster kind of thing. Like if you wanted to do something, you could go do it. If you wanted to try this, you could try this. Like it's, it's such a weird thing for me to see like, uh, and to, to, to talk to people that have been in that situation because it's such a crazy time in anyone's life, twenties, thirties, but to have like being surrounded for once, surrounded by yes, men and women, uh, all the time to you know I need this okay here it is like it's such it can fuck with your head man it can it can completely destroy you it can also completely you know open up a lot of amazing opportunities and things but to be in that situation in those years has got to be an insane ride you know and but also back then you didn't have camera phones you didn't have if I want we talked earlier when I was in Alaska if some if you did something wild the, the internet wasn't around really. Like I would have to see it in a magazine weeks yeah. later instead of the second you guys are off stage, you get on YouTube and there it is. Right. Like, yeah, the accountability is different now because it can be seen everywhere all the time. 24 hour news cycle. Uh, I think that is a big piece of it that people are now scared because you know, like what when Motley crew was talking about, like if there was camera phones back then, like they would have been gone. <laughs> Done. Like if all that was documented on someone's phone. Yeah. <laughs> it'd be a lot worse than what's happening now. I'm pretty sure. If, if some of these stories are true, you know what I mean? So that that forced accountability right now with with all that is I think changing the whole world that way. And our brains. are 100%. wired different. You know. Yeah. Have you noticed a huge change in yourself? So that, not saying you're doing crazy awful things, but when how you react to things now or how you go about things now differently. Uh-
0: well, I think the timing has coincided with just getting a, a little older anyhow, but yeah, if those camera phones were around in the nineties, um, I probably would have been in handcuffs a few times or more than I was. <laughs> Cause you know, public nudity, you know, weird attic type things mm-hmm. that, um, it, it would it, it wouldn't have been pretty. I'm not talking about like Motley Crue not
1: pretty, but it would have been not pretty in the no doubt camp. <laughs> sure. Like I think if you get if you get I and I'm, I'm la- I don't know why I'm laughing. it's not funny, but like if if you are taking a piss outside, like a parking garage or something, you got to go so bad. And we're guys, we can pee anywhere really easily, kind of discreetly. If you get caught with that and get a ticket for that, you in some place you have to register as a sex offender. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. not yeah. and so <laughs> i do want to ask you about this that you brought this up the public nudity because i don't know you guys have only played anchorage alaska probably once right mm-hmm. Yeah. do you remember the encore from that show by chance playing no. it completely naked <laughs> I, I, I don't
0: um but oh yeah speaking of brooks wackerman yes <laughs> um, we had we had the Vandals out with us in 1997. And we're, I think we we're in Atlanta. And we did we were pranking the open uh we we're pranking somebody. I can't remember who. And we went on a, on the stage during their set, Bricks and I, and I'm pretty much nude, wearing like a tape dick. <laughs> I kind of taped my whole package out to a cone and Bricks was doing something similar, I think. And we just kind of pranced around the stage for a minute. And then um, our manager got a letter from one of the parents that had taken their kid to the show and saying that they were going to call the mayor of every city that we were going to for the rest of the tour. And I, I liked that, seeing that because I, I don't know if people got the impression that we're going to go see a romper room show Uh with their their child i mean you know no doubt wasn't the exactly the most cutting cutting edge band but but we were free to do whatever the hell we wanted and um i i at that time i got that kind of stuff made me excited to piss off parents you know to Mm -hmm. bring a little bit more of silly drama to the to the stage and um uh you know, because because there wasn't the phone, there wasn't the YouTube, there wasn't anything like. I don't know if those letters ever got sent, but I, I can guarantee you that no promoter at any of those future venues got a call from the mayor. You know, yeah. like it was that 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 communication never got back to us. Um, although, on a side note, I did. We were in new Orleans on that same tour and the tour manager comes up behind me during the encore. And he says, Hey, the cops are here to arrest you. Um, so here's some, here's some clothes just duck down behind the drums. When the lights go down, when you guys are done, throw these clothes on and start carrying gear out like a crew member, the hat, exactly what I did. It's exactly what I did. That's, exactly I did.
1: that's, a, that's incredible yeah i love that that's fantastic what what spawned like what what spawned that whole deal like like you were always wearing crazy outfits and and like i know like of course it's a huge show and and everything else but like was there something specific like did you just do it once like on a whim and then just kept doing it or was there something more behind it and what did the band think because none of them dress that like that really like i know <laughs> i think there are times they liked it and i think there are probably times they're like oh fuck he's
0: sick. <laughs> um it wasn't really a the plan it just kind of happened it just developed i i you know when i was a teenager i would go see like fishbone and i And then, and I I saw Angelo, the singer, he whipped out his junk a couple times. And I think, um, you know, maybe I saw the chili peppers do it or flea did it. Mm -hmm. And Warren Fitzgerald from the Vandals did it quite a bit. And to me, I just thought that is so fucking awesome and liberating and not cool. But also I just, I just love the idea of it. And then I tried it once and then I just kept going couldn't stop it that's excellent a lot of it was just the reactions became you know part of the part of the fun and then it became expected and
1: and so I just stopped yeah it's weird how that thing can become like expected that way you know like uh, there's like uh like David Yao from the Jesus Lizard like pants coming off like in the front row of the crowd like laying on the crowd with his dick out like (laughs) all this stuff like alexis from this band daughters like just walking around like pants almost to his knees just like people getting you know uh it's it's weird like it's it's people then start to expect it you know you stick a mic up your ass once on stage people expect it every night after that (laughs) thankfully i only did that once Um, (laughs) well yours was probably a shotgun mic It's a little easier on the drums (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: there there was one time i saw a photo and i realized oh my goodness i my my shit shrivels up to like the size of a fucking four-year-old when i'm on stage (laughs) it's just like a little head i thought this is not good (laughs) so maybe that helped give me pause too it's
1: it's like that scene in the hangover or whatever what is that a mushroom and like they're just flicking it around and then all of a sudden uh what's the name jumps out like uh i dude i it's
0: It's like my go my balls go from fucking dragging on the ground
1: to like just going whoop (laughs) Here we are. Little nuggets <laughs> in a head. People think you are. <laughs> in front of in front of a stadium of people. I love it. What so and you are saying like you know, uh, you know, it's liberating and all these things. Like, did you it seems like you had a pretty and I'm not, and I'm just assuming from what we're talking about, but like you didn't seem like you had a very repressed childhood where you couldn't be yourself. So it's just it was just a continuation from that. Like you're you know you're talking about you're the last person standing at the party. Parents were you know pretty free going people is, back in the day, exposed to a lot of things. A lot of people can get into this realm when they're repressed their whole childhood, but it didn't seem like you were. So it seemed like maybe just a natural progression.
0: That that's correct. I I wasn't reacting to my family. Not at all. Mm-hmm. No.
1: It's interesting. It's interesting because it it's it was always something I would notice. It was always there's always every picture I would see I was just like, "Man, what is next? Like, what is next?" Cuz it was hilarious cuz it was just like it was this it was this just total freedom chaos. I loved it. It was a big part of uh, you know, exposure for the band, I'm sure too, like getting a lot of attention, but um dude, take me back. Take me back to the to the band house days. Like you were you were saying it was it was Gwen's grandparents? Mm -hmm. they had the place like and I and I say take me back there because like I don't think we realize what's going on guys this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the Internet, Uh, You want to get those people paid when you put that music online, and splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits, and all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced Lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. slash PPP for 30% off with
0: the lucky land slots. You can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. The good old days as they're happening, right? Like the, when we're really hungry for something, striving for something, we're so in the moment and driven and driven to, to succeed and get to a certain level that we don't really realize until later how good things were. Was that kind of the case with that? Like that just seems like when everything would be together, striving for the same thing, grinding in that garage.
0: Absolutely. Uh, it was a wonderful time and very, well, it was a lot less complicated Mm -hmm. because we only had local success at that point. Um, when I say local success, meaning like we could go play a club in LA, orange County and fill it, which was uh, awesome at the time and exciting, but the band was for everybody was the most important thing, you know, more important than finishing college, more important than everything else was secondary. I mean, everything. Mm -hmm. And, um, the, the, the we were so hyper focused and diligent and having fun that uh, I, I, I look back and I'm proud of the way that we operated as a collective. Um, it was really, really helpful, and we didn't have sort of delusional dreams that like, yeah, man, we're gonna we're, we have a we we believed in ourselves, but we didn't think like oh, we're gonna get super big or we're gonna you know, we're going to get on K-Rock and have a hit. We we wanted that, but it wasn't like,
1: it seemed like it was out of reach
0: mm-hmm. for the
1: most part. So it was in the back of your head, but it wasn't necessarily the goal. Like the, if you didn't get that, you'd be just the as goal. happy doing what you were doing. To, yeah,
0: to, to keep playing and mm-hmm. put up,
1: that's that's the best that's the best thing right there absolutely because that's the if you're if you're striving for something and it doesn't happen I mean, people doing things for the right reasons like having a, a pure heart in what you're doing and actually loving something not trying to get rich not trying to to you know and, and that comes back to success as well what you define success as you know if you can sell out a bar you know 150 people i mean is that success if you never go on to play at one for 200 people absolutely it depends on what your success what the word success is we have such a diluted uh cuz what happens to you guys happens to so few people it's like yeah. lightning in a bottle and it's it happens to so few people that it just becomes the dream of everyone that can't get to that point or won't get to that point um to where they get clouded by that and they're not they're just trying to get to the point that they see, not the, the, they don't want to do the work. They don't genuinely enjoy what they're doing. They're like, I would rather do that than this. So I'm going to push myself to this, you know? Um, which is awesome with you guys because you guys wanted to play music. It ended up going far beyond your wildest dreams, I'm sure. But you were there grinding, trying to do something pure, which you did. So, I mean, it's just a, I, I love when stuff like that happens to people that truly truly want it you know truly want to do truly want to make the art they're not after the the everything else creating music playing together doing something
0: yeah we were we were driven um, and I don't know if you know this but it took um, I think nine years to get actually a song on K-rock or on the radio as a band we were together for that long
1: yeah Uh, dude we we worked like i said when we were in alaska like we were discovering bands any way we could Uh, we didn't move down until 2000 so like we were i was listening to like pantera and white zombie and stuff like that until my buddy brought over the first weezer record and and the early green day stuff i was like wow what's this we could play this stuff so we started working backwards but with no doubt, when we heard you guys on the radio, we started working backwards. Like, wait a minute. There's, like, two other records on here. There's a whole, like, there's a whole other deal. So we started working backwards, uh, you know, going back and, and starting from the beginning. You know, buying the the, the first record, buying Beacon Street, like, all that stuff. And that was fun for us, digging back through to see where, you know, where you guys had come to at that point, which was Tragic Kingdom, that we first heard. Um but yeah, we absolutely aware of that. And that was the cool part is seeing going backwards with a band like that, like with and finding where the beginnings were and then discovering Sublime and stuff like that. Like it just opened up this whole thing for us. Cause we were straight up metal kids, then punk kids, then no doubt got us into Scot- and like Operation Ivy, stuff like that. Like we all started to to grasp onto that as well through through you guys working backwards it was this whole cool like discovery of a whole nother scene we had no idea existed in wasilla alaska down in 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 orange county you know like that was the gateway so absolutely i know
0: that must have been very strange to be living in alaska (laughs) pre-internet absolutely it was wow so let me ask you something so when 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 you when you get your first computer
1: mm-hmm.
0: or your first email account or you know a, a computer where you could get on the web, that must have been
1: majorly groundbreaking. Being isolated like that, it it was it was. We got our first computer in Peter's, but this was before I moved to the mainland. It was on an island. I grew up on an island until I was eleven in Southeast Alaska. Wow. We got a computer that had it had the screen. And then underneath it, there had a bunch of power buttons. That you had to turn on in sequence to get it to turn on. Like you had to turn on the monitor, then this, then this. Let this warm up. Then the screen would come up. And then you had to say, "Mom, get off the phone. I gotta try. I gotta. I gotta get online." So I mm-hmm. had to unplug the thing, plug it in, wait for the ding, 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 and uh, hopefully no one calls because would kick you off the internet. It was so archaic, but for oh, wow. me being a kid, it was like, you know, it was the the bee's knees. Oh, dude, it's
0: like, it's like being Lucy in the wardrobe going out to Narnia, right? (laughs) It's like, whoa, (laughs) what
1: is this? (laughs) Dude, yeah, yeah, it was absolutely uh, groundbreaking. And looking back on it now, it's hilarious how archaic it was. You know, uh, we were still doing mail order catalogs from like Lookout Records and, and whatnot, and we would all buy, uh, I don't know if you guys did this, because we, we never had much money at all. And you guys were, you know, a, a starving band. We would buy, each of us would buy a different record, and then we would trade them with each other. So, like, if we were into a band and they had three records out, each of us would buy a separate record and we'd swap them around because we couldn't afford to buy all of them. So, we got oh. way more at once. That's amazing. Did you guys do that? Uh, no. Okay. But,
0: that but- I mean, I got to mention, living on an island, it's a tight community. <laughs> Everybody kind of knows each other. Yeah. And it promotes
1: what you're describing. That's incredible. Though. That's that's really yep. neat. One police officer, 3,000 people on the island, I think, is all there was when I was there. It's, it's The island, of course, isn't bigger now, but there's more people that live there, but it was small. 3,000 people, one police officer? One police officer. Wow. So if you guys wanted to, you could have overwhelmed that police officer. Absolutely. Absolutely, but the police officer at the time was also helping in the drug game on the island, so it was a bad deal. Like it was, it was yeah. The one police officer was corrupt.
0: He had his protection.
1: Exactly, exactly. It was a very transient island. Alaska, Alaska cartel. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff you don't see when you, I mean growing up in California, you're around a lot more people. But it's uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting being around stuff that can kill you that aren't people like animals around you that anytime, like bear in your carport, moose next to the bus stop. Like it's, it's chaos, but it teaches you something. It teaches you have a respect for things that you normally wouldn't have. I I would say, you know, you know what you're made of. It's something like when you first start touring, like you find out what you're made of. Like you you're out there with a group of people, but you guys are on your own. Like, okay, we have to get to the next town. We have to make this much. We have to eat. This person wants to kick our ass because of this. We get into this scary situation. Like you really find out what you're made of when you start touring at a young age. When you, uh, well, so is it a ferry ride to the mainland? Yeah, I, how, how or long a plane flight. Oh, the the ferry rides a couple days, but like the the uh, as far as, day. as far as up to uh, mainland Alaska. Like if you want to cruise over to like Canada, it'd be a you know a couple hours. But like. Oh. If okay. you want to go up to like Anchorage, it takes it takes a while, day and a half, okay. something like that, on a ferry. Plane rides so is quick. To go to
0: Anchorage, you would just normally ferry and then drive and ferry to Alaska and drive down.
1: No, we moved down in 2002 to start touring. Like we were like, we're not going to do this. Like we we can't do it from with here. Your parents, if, if you just wanted to go to Anchorage, oh, you just hop on a plane. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like two, I think two or three flights a day that go through the island. Uh, Alaska Airlines, and it's it's the yeah, full yeah. on size plane. Like it's. It flies you to Seattle. It flies you to wherever, Um, Mm. but you still have to. There's no that you have to get off the plane while it's running on a on a on a the ladder, so it's super loud, and then walk into this little like trailer shack airport. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) but it's the Uh, real deal (laughs) as far as the plane goes. So
0: I I have another question for you. Sure. Uh, So, so do you know where Avalon is outside of Long Beach here? No. There's a there's an island. It's 26 miles off the coast of Long Beach, mm-hmm. and it's a town called Avalon. It's the uh, the, uh, the island's called Catalina. And the town oh, is uh, yeah. Catalina. I know where that is. Yeah, and it's it's pretty small, and you know when I talked to I've talked to some teenagers there before, who have stayed and some who had left, and they were young adults, and they described it as being kind of like not in a prison, but in a situation that's it's so small and everybody's in just into each other's shit so much and everybody knows what's going on. There's a lot of drug problems and just kind of small community drama. and Some of them could not wait to get out. Mm-hmm. Is there, is that, is that a similar thing to what it was like on your Island where there's a, a more drug use in a tight knit kind of, everybody knows everybody's drama type of situation
1: it was sort of i moved off that island when i was 11 so i would see my parents talking about things like that and i would just go out on my bike we go out on the boat catch fish for dinner like so we always got to kind of get away like the island is you know an island it's as big as it's gonna get but when you have a little skiff you can get in and drive out you know wherever you know go out and catch fish a couple miles out you can kind of expand out a little bit so maybe mentally for me it felt more like there was more freedom but uh my parents definitely felt that because of all the corruption and um you know trying to keep work going with all this stuff going on uh you know don't say this don't show this person this don't tell this person we have this like it was always weird like that um because everyone's in everyone's shit. and mm. uh but when i got up to the mainland all that changed it was still isolated because it's alaska i mean your town is small. The state is so enormous, you could just keep going in one direction for endless amounts of time into nowhere. So you'd almost be safer just staying where you are. So it almost encapsulates yourself that way. It's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's definitely when something – when you're you know, in, you're in Long Beach, you can cruise over to another town if you want. In, on the island, you have to actually physically do something, like get in a boat, get on a plane if you want to go to somewhere else. So it's it's super weird, yeah. I would but, imagine, but um, yeah it's it's definitely it's definitely something. I wanted to get out of Alaska to tour and and see the world, uh, but now I just want to go back really bad because I miss it because there was a lot there that I liked. Um, that as an adult now I think I would appreciate more. Um, but yeah, pretty much everyone there once they hit eighteen wants to leave, but then they all end up either they don't end up staying, they end up coming back later, for sure. You think, wow. So. And you have kids? Oh yeah, I've got three kids.
0: You uh, do as well, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, my stepdaughter's twenty-one, uh, and my son is turning ten next month, and my daughter is eight. So big, a big split.
0: So you think about taking them up to Alaska, or you want to stay
1: where you are until they uh, become adults? I, I, <laughs> I've been I've been talking to my wife about this because I actually want to get down to Southern California, um, mm. both for the podcast, the weather. Um, I always enjoyed my time there, like San Diego, um, that area I really enjoy and I enjoy Northern California. Uh, but I would like to get them up to Alaska to see it for sure. Um, you know, to, uh, take the, take the drive, actually drive up through Canada, which I've done twice, but do it with them so they can see it, see where I come from. It's kind of a big deal for me to, for them to see that. Cause I talk about it all the time, but they've yeah. never seen it. And you've been to Alaska when you get off the plane, like You look at the mountains it's insane like the the landscape just being there there's something about it something in the air the air is clean you know the scenery is intense you know i'm not sure how much your memory of that is it was a while ago when you were there i'm sure but um there's definitely something about it it's a magical place for sure but um yeah do you ever think about going back somewhere like that for vacation and stuff like that or taking your kids up there
0: yeah we've talked about going to canada um we hadn't talked about going as far north as alaska but now that you bring it up yeah i mean there's so much to see um but before we do that we were, we were going to take him to europe okay. and we were about to leave Now, nah, yeah we're about to leave right before uh covid kicked in we're supposed to go summer of 2020 i should say Mm -hmm. and uh so we're thinking about going next summer okay Mm
1: -hmm. how how what where were you at when you became a father like where were you at in in music and and like where in the lineage um our
0: son mason's
1: 19 okay and so
0: uh Rocksteady had
1: just been released, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So still mm-hmm. in the whirlwind. Oh yeah, big time, dude. How, tell me about that. Because, well, becoming a father for one. How was that for you? Because I, mine was was interesting. as uh, like, you have all these moments you want to have, like you think it's going to be one way, and when it's not, like it's it's weird. Like, we had like traumatic emergency births that kind of killed any moment of like here's your child. Like, it was like, okay, we got to take him to this NICU, uh, put him in the pizza box, all these core, like, Oh, say hi to him real quick. Okay. And we're gone. For you, for you, like becoming a father for the first time, was it, was it what you thought it would be? Like, as far as, you know, people build up that moment, did you have that moment? Or were you like touring? Like what was going on? It was
0: a little bit of both. I I mean, I didn't have any expectations of what it was going to be like in, in the sense of the daily routine or how to, how to, um, operate with a newborn, but, Mm -hmm. um, band wise, the dynamic change was, Mm it was different because up until that point, we were all in the same bus. So I was the first one to get my own bus when we toured because my, my wife and, and Mason, our baby were, they were traveling with us most places in the world. And I insisted on it. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I got almost, psychotic about it to where I thought if I if I can't have my wife and son with me most of the time, I might have to stop doing the band. Which looking back on it now is it, it sounds absurd, uh, but I had I had those thoughts. It was really intense.
1: Where why why were you do you think you were feeling that way? Was it like what what was causing that? That seems I mean it does it's not outlandish. I don't I don't know. I mean
0: I was just I'm such an all-in parent Mm -hmm. that um, I honestly I'm a loss for words because when I I think it's it sounds it sounds ridiculous because both are very doable Um, and I i sometimes I'd see other bands and I and and when I didn't see that they had their kids around much I just thought how's that even possible how are they doing it I know for some bands they it's it's they can't afford it, but I'm talking about successful bands that can that yeah. can do it. Um, but part of that, I think, is you know sometimes uh, the dynamics in each band are different. Uh, so it's you know when like someone's wife comes on the road for too long, they they're like they might feel like they're in the way or maybe not. I don't know. In my case, um Nina actually used to work for No Doubt as a crew member. Mm-hmm that's how we met so she knew the road better than I did uh so her being on tour wasn't like okay what is this world like I don't know where to go or how to be and Mm -hmm. so um
1: that that was there was no transition on that part okay but you were Um, the first one to get your own bus bring them out and I mean what was that dynamic like for you with with the the baby like were you protective you know because you grew up you know kind of parents were pretty honest with you about what they do you know and 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 about what you know they weren't hiding things from you Uh, and of course it's a newborn but like were you really like really careful to not expend of course I don't know how long uh, Mason was on tour with you for like as he gets older where you kind of shelter what's going on it's not like you guys were like a major partying band you know it's not the like Motley Crue again but like you know, being on the road is an, is an interesting place for sure for people that aren't used to it, especially being a child. Um, did you find yourself like sheltering him from stuff like that or like just kind of sticking in the bus mint most of the time? Um,
0: no, he was a part of it. Um, and we were still partying pretty good. I mean, we weren't a drug using band. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. Like, you know, well, at least not hard drugs and, but it, 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 it continue on as, at the normal pace it was at that time it wasn't like there's was a baby around we better we better mellow out
1: yeah okay yeah and i i certainly did not okay because i know there's been times like like with the portugal guys where where john brought his daughter out on tour they'd come back from the stage and there'd be someone they didn't know on the bus like someone just snuck on the bus just wanting to meet the band like oh, we have a kid sleeping in here with their mom like we can't have this okay, stuff happen <laughs> like crazy that's shit yeah that's yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a ship that needed to be tightened up a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah. See, this was pre this was pre uh explosion of uh okay. the, the once the the hit single but like you know when you guys have you know multiple multiples like you know you guys have good security everything's tightened up you know it has to be to run like that but um did it, did it change you as a person? Like, did you feel a lot of changes in you when you became a father? Like did you, or, or was it like stay the course, but now I have to take care of this person. Like I know a lot of people, it kind of changes their DNA a little bit. Like their focus changes, the way they do things changes, um, with that addition. Did you
0: feel that with you? If it did, it wasn't immediate. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps it did gradually later on, but well, as you know, with, with kids, it, it's all about their age, too. It's an yeah. age-dependent thing. So, you know, when you have a baby, um, you can kind of, especially if you have your wife with you, you can mm-hmm. operate. And we had some help as well. So you, uh, for me, as a musician, a traveling musician, I could kind of operate the same. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when your kid becomes a walking, talking human, I think that's that's almost a bigger change.
1: Yeah, it's an mm-hmm. incredible change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the things they can do, the things they can get into, the things they say, how fast they learn—like it's it's absolutely ridiculous—and yeah. something our parents went through as well in a much different time. But uh, so, I mean, that's that's crazy enough going through. Like it just seems. Uh, it could go so many different ways with touring with kids but at that point things still in full swing, you're in the machine. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation just being in that in that machine of being in a band that size with things firing on all cylinders um, But you know when you so things you guys did amazing things with no doubt like all sorts of just amazing experiences I'm sure. But after that, tell me about tell me a little about Dreamcar. Because I, I really like that band with Davy, um, how that how that came about and and where that went.
0: Oh, um, man! I like Dream Car too. I had so, so much good. fun doing that record. Um, I think we all did. Um, it was well. So I think that was that came out in two thousand seventeen, but we started working on it probably two thousand fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, it mainly. Came for Tom, Tony, myself, it came out of. We did, we had a lot of time on our hands because. Gwen was doing her solo thing for so long. In fact, she, after she did back-to-back records tours on her own. We thought, man, should we go do something else for a while? Until she's ready. And then. We ended up not. And then no doubt did a another record eventually uh the push and shove record Mm -hmm. and we didn't really get a chance to tour that um and so and then and then it seemed like okay she's gonna be doing a lot of her own thing again so maybe this time we'll go try another band and see if and, and be musicians and do what we do. So, uh, Tony had known Davy uh, because they kind of run in a few of the same circles and vegan restaurants in Los Angeles. And, um, so we met with Davey and we said, Hey, if we, you want to try a few songs and see how it works. And so he said, yeah, we sent him a few demos, he sent back a couple of vocal ideas. And we thought, oh, this is interesting. Let's get into a studio and, and demo like four songs and see how it goes. And we did it. And it was really fun. We liked the way it sounded. We liked the way it felt. Mm-hmm. And thought, uh, okay, let's go do this. And we rented a space out in downtown LA for the summer. I forgot what year it was. probably 2015 or 16. Uh, and demoed a bunch more songs eventually got signed to Columbia and we're, you know, super excited to put this record out, but one of the challenges we had was, uh, because Davies and AFI, Mm -hmm. um, and they were putting a record out around the same time. And we're trying to stagger those two records coming out at the same time as whereas, as well as playing live and promoting and that, That was quite a challenge, I have to say. Um, But with that being said, I love the times we did play live, and I love making that record. Really proud
1: of it, dude. You should be. It's a fantastic record. I, I, when that came out, I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is rad!" Like I saw the lineup, of course, of you guys, and then Davey, and I was like, "Did you guys, you guys?" So AFI was around Bay Area. Did you guys ever play shows with AFI in the early early days? No, no, okay. Mm-hmm. I know they were all over the place, but um, so you you didn't know Davey until you were introduced by Tony.
0: We had met once uh, because his other band, Black Audio, had played mm-hmm. with us with no doubt in like
1: 2012, I think. Oh, okay. L- mm-hmm. okay, that makes sense. I I I was curious on that if you guys had known each other for a long time because it just the, the chemistry was good. You know, of course, you guys all three had the chemistry, but like with with Davey, it just worked. It, it musically it
0: was an easy fit like there was no kind of searching for a sound or searching for a vibe or or even the songwriting it was mm-hmm. just it it was free it was fun and um there was no pulling of teeth musically speaking at all
1: yeah is is that going to continue at all or is that was that it for that band do you think i have a hard time thinking it will
0: seeing as how that we got dropped by the record company and no one's brought up a no one in the band has brought up a conversation of like, hey, let's try to do some new songs. Like mm-hmm. hasn't
1: happened. Okay. Yeah. Well, what so so what's going on now with you then? So you're you're doing some you're doing some producing work. Like what's 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 your life like now?
0: Oh yeah. So um well, even though our son, Mason, is 19 and he goes to Berkeley College of Music. Uh, we have a 10-year-old daughter.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, so we're still stay-at-home parents. Yeah. Uh, and so I teamed up with a friend of mine named Todd Foreman who played saxophone in Sublime in the early 90s. And we formed a production team called the Moxie Brothers. Okay. And between our home studios, we started producing bands. Started kind of a little bit more locally here in Long Beach, but now it's a full fledged production. Everything from producing, mixing, co-writing. Sometimes we play on these records that we're producing if, if, if it's needed and um, for For me, COVID had a big part in doing a deeper dive because I have a, I have a basement at my place, which is pretty rare in Southern California. Mm -hmm. And that's where I would rehearse my drums. But then I turned it into what was kind of a recording studio to a full blown recording studio. Uh, Mainly because I had a lot of time on my hands during 2020 mm-hmm. and once i started getting gear and i got a couple of mixing gigs and then i realized oh fuck i love this i i want to mix records in addition to producing with todd and playing drums on other people's records from home and I, I i it became a sickness it still is i just i just can't stop it and i'm so all in it's that tunnel vision thing that we were referring to earlier it's like yeah once i'm in i'm in and now it's like without any pre-planning becoming an engineer and uh, having a, a production partner uh was not something four or five years ago that i was planning on doing when things started to mellow out mm-hmm. and i'm really really thankful that um, i could do it from home and, and i have such a fantastic partner and and Todd Foreman, um, cause we just have a good time working on music.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Dude. How, how was that learning curve then? Like learning to, to engineer and have that, like, were you, were you gaining that knowledge through the years or were you more go and do your parts and then head out or just kind of, you know, watch the recording. So some people like to get behind the board and watch things like, were you that way? Or is this something like you were saying, you know, now you're like the mix records, like there's a lot to learn there. On how that even works well i will say
0: that no that was never that kind of band where someone plays their parts and then they bail okay like we were always all in mm-hmm. all the time uh in the recording studio uh i definitely was gear focused and hyper focused on the mixing stage mm-hmm. and but i mean we had a we had a, a recording you know, situation at that um, Beacon Street house in Anaheim when we were staying there in the early nineties and we had just the 16 track with the, with the tape machine, real, real tape machine. Yeah. So, you know, we, we were decent enough to do demos, but we weren't engineers, you know, we weren't great at it or seasoned or anything like that, but you know, being around for mixing and recording so many records and paying attention. It's one of those things where like after a couple of decades, your ears are, they, you know what things are supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, but I wasn't like going, Oh, Hey, uh, we should use this compressor and you should turn up the threshold a little bit on this section of the, song. it wasn't, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. So I had, I had to kind of go back to, well, I had to basically go on how to use Gear School to catch up with my ears, because mm-hmm. my ears already knew, but I didn't. I didn't know how to make the system work from a technical gear aspect, and so you know, there's that. <laughs> I was like, why are there people in my house? Oh, sorry. You woke up late. So those guys, they're working on the call.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm doing a live interview. Say hi. Hi. This is Magnolia.
1: Hi, I'm Dewey. That's Dewey. And um, go ahead and make
0: yourself some cereal. I, it's out on the counter. Okay. And uh, I'll see you shortly. <laughs> you slept. You slept late. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Wait, wait, Charles. all <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so jealous. My kids got up at five this morning <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> with the puppies. <laughs> oh. uh, you, you know where so, this comes back to though is when you're talking about like your ears catching up with your knowledge is your uh, brain opposite. catching up with the drums.
0: Opposite. The knowledge catching up with my ears.
1: Yes. But like, so when you're talking when drums, <laughs> you're, what you wanted to do catching up with your limbs or your limbs catching up with what your brain wanted to do on the drums, kind of similar. Kind of similar. Yeah, definitely have a learning style. <laughs> an ambitious, an ambitious mind that the body has to catch up to. Well,
0: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, well, with the uniqueness of um, COVID and even bef- before that, I was getting pretty deep in, but I didn't realize that I was going to have an opportunity of, of a whole entire year of. Watching videos, and reading, and consulting with professionals that I'd worked with over the years, and and buying gear, selling gear, failing, learning from that, and just going, oh fuck, you got s- thinking I like like, oh yeah, I got this, I'm good. To oh fuck, you have so much more to learn. To keep going, keep going, keep going to my wife going, dude, you got to come out of the basement once in a while. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's like, before I go down with you, we're I'm mixing a new steel pole song. And I thought, okay, do I have an hour before I hop on this podcast? If I run to Starbucks really quick, I get down there. It's like, it's, it's basement is my magnet. And, uh, uh, especially for a project like Steel Pulse, because I grew up worshiping worshiping them, and to be yeah. involved in any of their music is is incredible. Which that one was kind of weird because at first I was just going to play drums on the song, mm-hmm. and then I ended up being mixing it. Todd and I, the Boxy Brothers, I should say, were are mixing it. Then ended up retracking a bunch of parts, so we ended, we ended up co-producing the song too, mm-hmm. and. What a treat. Absolute privilege.
1: Dude, you got the fire now. You got the fire back. You got something. Your whole uh, demeanor changed when you started talking about that. Like I love when this happens, especially <laughs> with Zoom, because I can see it happen. Normally I can hear it in the voice, but your whole demeanor changed with excitement when you talked when you talk about this. And I've I've seen on that video I was talking to you about when we talked on the phone the other day that Frank put up on YouTube where him and this Australian dude just show up at your house and you're at your like man cave bar area or whatever and oh let's move this couch and go down to the basement immediately i was like basement in southern california that's really strange but that room is so incredibly inspiring like all the the like the drummer like the studio you're talking about i'd be down there all the time myself (laughs) you know it's rad but the way the way you lit up when you started talking about producing mixing like this this new passion you have is super rad because you i mean you're into it man i am I'm all in. I love that. Do do I have an hour left? I could hit Starbucks. (laughs) And after this, you're going to go back down, right? I am. And I
0: don't know if you've noticed this, but sleep has become a much more important commodity than it was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it's like when midnight comes around or one in the morning, I keep telling myself, get to bed, get to bed. You got to get to bed. And I can't stop working. And then I'm so fried in the morning. It's it's a tough balance
1: yeah but yeah but, but the passion's there dude i so so you're working on you're working on this stuff with with steel And so like what's what's next for you then like do you have stuff on the horizon are you going to continue uh well, you know, with t- t- this? I have
0: like we're doing like four bands right now wow yeah we're mixing another record and tracking another record um and about to start a new record so yeah dude yeah we've got we're we're fairly booked up for the rest of summer through september
1: that's excellent mm-hmm. and your son's at, at music school which isn't yeah he's home well. at the moment but
0: we're taking him out to boston on the first of september man and is he a drummer he's a guitar player guitar player okay i'm gonna miss that kid Uh, for a lot of reasons but one is that since he was 15 i've been stealing him maybe 16 stealing him for some of the records we work on so you know like because he's in the house and he's really good and if we get stuck at a part or if the the band we're working with their guitar player is okay or not around or they don't have one i'm like texting hey dude get downstairs i need you I need you yeah we've we've used him quite a bit and he's gonna be gone
1: That's i guess i could
0: interrupt him in his room and say hey here's a song record me a guitar part
1: <laughs> <laughs> when they can find something that doesn't have the latency on it where you can rehearse multiple places like there i think there's enough of a latency on zoom and things like that you can't really jam at the same time but when that opens up then he's gonna He's going to be heading home after that because he's not going to have any time for school. He's going to be he's going to be working with you. That's awesome. Uh, you fostered that that relationship with your kids. You know, like it seems like from what you're telling me, you guys have a really close relationship and creatively as well, which is something that's huge. You know, We do.
0: We do. More and we so. This band too. In fact, they just put two songs out. It's super fun to be involved. His
1: band, you said? Mm-hmm. What are they called? They're called self inflicted. Self inflicted. Is it on Spotify? Yeah, they're a hardcore band. Awesome, that's mm-hmm. my style. I'll have to check it out after this. Okay, that's rad, dude. Mm-hmm. That's some how. I mean, how special is that? Doing stuff like that with your kids—something that you've been it. passionate about for so long—and it's it's basically given them all they have as far as you know, uh, supported them through their their childhood to now, playing music, to then do it together. It's in, it's insane. I truly love it. It's great, dude. Well, Adrian, this has been awesome, dude. I really appreciate the time, man. This has been a great chat. I, I really feel like I've learned a lot from you, you know, and, and I always take something from it, Um, but from your story and, and you know, inspiration, I, I love it, man. I really appreciate the time. Likewise. Hopefully you had a good time. <laughs> I did. I enjoyed talking. To you. We should do it again
0: and we'll talk maybe more politics or, dude, you know, a little bit less about me and more about. You know the insanities of COVID, you know, dude. killing people in ways that it shouldn't be. Now that we have vaccines available and
1: that whole thing, dude, it's intense. I just saw like my wife this morning before I headed over here was like, "Hey, the California looks like they're going back to masks again," and I was like, "What?"
0: I oh, started dude. looking
1: that up and I was like, "I'm going to ask Adrian about that." But this is a completely avoidable shit show. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent, dude. Well, dude, I like seriously, you could we could do this once a year if you want. Like or, or <laughs> more if you wanted to. Like I I that's if I do like part 2s and stuff, usually it's like once a year just to keep it cycling through. But okay. dude, we could do this anytime. I really really enjoy this and I I know uh, I appreciate us getting on the line before this too and just working everything out. You know, I I wish more people did that. Um because it can really set the the course for things. So um dude, and and best of luck to you, you know, with all this this new passion and well, it's not new, but you know, new, new to the grand scheme of things, you know, in your life, getting excited about something and really, you know, giving back, but also putting stuff out there in the world. And uh, yeah. And thank you for all the awesome music over the years too. Like I said, it's, it's, it's the biggest part in my life is, is music and, and you're part of that. So I appreciate it.
0: Dewey, Dewey, thank you for the kind words and uh, thanks for talking to me
1: absolutely hit me up anytime man you want to chat uh go over something whatever i'm always around um yeah we'll do this again for sure okay all right brother have a good day you too we'll see you later bye-bye bye all right guys i hope you enjoyed that episode with adrian young from no doubt what an awesome dude he'll definitely be on for a part two uh got to talk about some interesting stuff with him and uh he was just really gracious with his time i just had a blast and i really really appreciate frank zumo connecting us and uh, if you have not checked out the Frank Zumo episode, that episode did really well. Uh, I'd be surprised if you haven't. But if you haven't, go back and listen to that. He is an amazing, amazing drummer for Sum 41. Uh, he's filled in for Motley Crue. He's got stories that will just blow your mind. It's an awesome episode. So go check that out if you haven't. Go join the Facebook group, uh, Pure Pleasure Podcast Inner Circle. Go join the Twitch if you want to catch our live Twitch episodes where we're having guests on. Just like a normal, It's the normal podcast. It's just you get to watch... The video as it's happening Uh, you can jump in the chat if you want we don't always look at that because it's just not what we do Um, but you're welcome to do that Uh, i just want to be able to make the show available to a whole new audience and people that want to look at it that way and and uh, we'll always strive to do that Uh, but that's twitch.tv peer pleasure podcast go sign up uh, subscribe and that way we can get this thing to affiliate and then you guys can start subscribing to the channel getting the videos and things like that. Um, then we do like the regular nights of Twitch, things like that. It's, it's going to be evolving. We just started, but we've got a few under our belt and they're going really well. So uh, thank you guys for being so receptive to trying new things with the show. Thank you for coming back week after week. Thank you for signing up for the premium service, peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm uh, to get all the videos, the past casts and the ad free feed that has been helping keep the show going um, as well as the advertisers that have been on the show as well. So uh, I am just rambling here, guys. I'm in between two different episodes we're doing on Twitch today. So I am going to get back to getting those going. Uh, I'm glad you listened to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, Big thanks to Adrian Young for coming on. I've been listening to him forever. Uh, It was a great, great honor to have him. So thank you guys for coming back week after week. I love you all, each and every one of you very much. I say it every week and I mean it every week. Tell a friend, rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, we'll see you on the radio.
0: plus.